Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Shop Notes podcast. On today's episode, we're talking about the projects that are going on on our workbench. New tools to us, getting rehabbed, new projects, drill press tables. And the main topic of the day is how do you price your work when you're just doing it on the side? Hope you enjoy listening. This episode of the Shop Notes podcast is brought to you by woodsmithplans.com. At Woodsmith Plans, you'll find your favorite plans from Woodsmith Magazine, ranging from furniture projects to shop projects. Check out woodsmithplans.com for all your woodworking plan needs. All right, before we get to the main topic of today's podcast, mm-hmm. I thought we'd just go around again like we usually do and say what's on your bench. John? Oh, like always, I like to build things in multiples of three, apparently. Uh, (laughs) But not at the same time. Right, not at the same time. Last time I was building uh, shot mallets, and I had built three of those, because why Mm -hmm. not? Um, Lately, I've been building a drill press table for a video series on uh, woodworking essentials. And uh, so I got a bug of building drill press tables, and now I am on my third drill press table. So you're right, also you're also a collector of drill presses at home. Yeah, apparently <laughs> no. So one uh, drill press table will be for the shop, and I built one for my dad for Christmas, a smaller version, and then one for my house. So one for the shop being the set. Here. Yes, the set here. Yeah, our our own drill press. Yeah. it's for all of us. Yes. Enjoy, guys. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> you guys deserve the best. <laughs> So. so did you learn anything from building the same plan three um, different ways? Did you change anything? I'll add on. To uh, they're different sizes because they're okay. uh, different size drill presses. My dad has an, like a Columbia drill press from, I don't know, the 1970s. Mm-hmm. It's an antique to me. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, so that's like a little bit smaller, shallower version. And um, the drill press I have at home is a jet. And it has a really deep table. So I had a... Um, make that drill press uh, table a little bit deeper as well and uh, the one here and then I just did the drill press tables for those two and then the one um, for the shop here I will also have a drawer and dust collection system in it so that's a little add-on that's a little bit different so each one's a little bit sized differently but they have kind of the same features and and whatnot so is the drawer, drawer and dust collection is part of the plans, right? Right, yeah, that was all included in the original plan, okay. so it was kind of an add-on uh, type thing. So Bonus feature. Yep. Okay. So all right. That's what I'm working on. Well, I'm out of my shop funk. I Are can, you? I'm proud to say, and I've kind of swung the other way because now I have like 50 projects going on at once. Sure. So I uh, am currently finishing up a bunch of cutting boards. Um, as anybody that's been in the back shop has noticed, I have cutting boards all over, and there's now a full set of clamps that's glue all over every inch of them, so I'm going to have to spend some time cleaning glue up off our shop clamps. Uh, but I also started working on a pair of nightstands. Um, about a year ago, I, uh, I built a sleigh bed. Uh, took over full, the shop for that one, too. I took over yeah. the shop. Yes, whenever I build a project, walnut. I just take over <laughs> the walnut, shop and right? get walnut all over, yes. Because I believe your walnut haze took over the yes, shop as uh, well. <laughs> but a side, well, not a side project, but one of the things I've been wanting to build uh, in conjunction with this sleigh bed that I built a year ago uh, was a set of side tables. So that's, that sleigh bed was based off the Thomas Mosier sleigh bed that sure. they, they build and sell, and it's beautiful. Um, However, they just happen to be about $5,000, so not something that I necessarily can afford to buy, but I can build it. Um, so I, I built the sleigh bed, 
And I, I need a set of side tables because currently I'm using a set of IKEA side tables. And I hate to say that being a woodworker, but you know, the side tables, I've had them for 10 years and they still mm -hmm. work or they still look good, which I've kind of impressed with, mm -hmm. um, but they don't match. They're white. I have a walnut bed. I want a nice set of walnut side tables. So I am uh, once again copying or taking inspiration from the Thomas Mosier design on the side tables and am doing, uh, it's what Thomas Mosier calls their, their Vita or Vita cubes. Mm -hmm. um, and they're kind of a mid-century modern type uh, table that actually has a curved foot on some models. Right, but like I'm a do, half moon base. Yeah, like a half moon base. Um, and it's, it's pretty cool. Um, but I'm going to do uh, floating ones. So oh. Uh, I have my panels all glued up. I'm gonna have to re-glue one of them because I had a glue joint fail, which was interesting. Um, so I will uh, make them all a little shallower, um, but then I will be doing some hand-cut mitered dovetails, which will be fun. So, mm -hmm. uh, and it was an excuse for a new tool purchase, and I ordered a Dave Barron dovetail guide. Ooh, Try nice. that out, see how that works. Yeah. So that's what I think the best part of building um, your own furniture that would be expensive otherwise, like you said, to be five thousand dollars. Yeah. It's like I just say $5,000, I can buy $5,000 exactly. worth of tools now, <laughs> well, and, it's and it all yeah. evens out. And it's yeah. funny because when mm -hmm. I started, not when I started woodworking, because I started woodworking back in, in high school and middle school, but when I started woodworking after my wife and I bought a house and, you know, I actually had room for my own shop that wasn't being, you know, my dad's garage that I'm taking over. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I used that as an excuse. It's like, hey, if I'm going to build our son's crib, you know, I know you want to build, buy an expensive one. Let me buy an expensive table saw, and then I'll just build it yep. and save money that way. Save money save in air money. quotes, <laughs> you know, because just think of all the money you saved at. over the years yeah, by right. buying those tools. Exactly. That's what You're I tell my yes. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so that's I. I've got cutting boards going on. I've got a pair of side tables going on, and I just decided it was a great idea to purchase some large lots of tools at auction to rehab and flip. So. So that's what got got you out of the funk then was these projects or yes, was something it was. else? No, no, it was it was these projects. Go it ahead. was just it was one of those, you know, we moved our studio here. Um, I was in the process of putting my house on the market at home. So it was just there was a lot of things going on. Right. A lot of stuff I was doing other than getting in the shop. So uh, I think once everything slowed down, it's like, all right, back to a routine. Had some space. Back to shop time. Yep. Yeah. Had some breathing room. So nice. Okay. What you got going, Phil? Uh, right now, I usually have too many things going on, mm -hmm. so I am have a couple of personal projects. I'm, I'm a big fan of Dave Fisher's mm -hmm. carving, you know, the like sculpted bowls and yeah. things that he does. So um, I'm making a small little walnut uh, shaving dish because okay. I use shaving yep. soap. Yep. For those of you who are watching, you can tell that I shave mm -hmm. compared to my other hosts. I just shaved this morning. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> And then I have a couple of, I, I've had a few tools that I've been interested in using, but I've never really done the work to set them up because mm -hmm. they're secondhand tools. Yeah. Um, so I've kind of been playing around with those um, yeah. on the same. Which is always fun to do. It's always fun to, uh, like I said, I bought a lot of auction stuff. There's some things I've grabbed out I'm holding on to because, yeah. you know, I've always wanted to mess with them. Right. So hopefully it'll just be one of those things. Like I'll throw them in the mix as I'm rehabbing tools, and hopefully I'll get to use them. So what what tools were those? Well, it's that uh, that little V groove tool. Yep. That V tool that I yep. I got it from a, a group of car small carving tools from Chris, mm -hmm. and I've 
thought that I've sharpened it, but when I go to use it, it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like I'm scratching yeah. with the head of a nail kind of a thing through wood. So I'm trying to figure out what's the sharpening process for that to get that set yeah. up. And um, let's see what else. I got a couple of carving gouges mm -hmm. that I've been working on improving my sure. sharpening technique on. They work, sure. but I just don't feel like they're sharp, sharp. So yeah. I've been trying to figure out, because I got to kind of wrap my head around what exactly this looks like once it's sharp and yeah. what it feels like. Yeah, what my well, expectations are. And carving tools are something I found are a little difficult because sharp in the world of most of our hand tools is, is two planes meeting right. at an edge, right? So a hand plane blade or a chisel. But then with carving tools, you start to get sweeps. And right. And you start to get profiles. And it's not like you just take it to a stone and, you know, rub it back and forth. You have to rock it at rock the same it, yeah. time, which it, it's just a different... It's yeah. a different way to sharpen. Yeah, so I, you know, when I'm doing chisels and plain irons and things like that, you know, I'm using a honing guide and everything mm -hmm. is locked in and dialed down. Yeah. And when I'm sharpening these carving gouges and even like pocket knives and kitchen knives, yeah. I find that I have to have it like real close to my face so sure. that I'm using those little diamond paddles and so I can kind of see and feel yeah. what's going on so that I maintain yeah. that edge. So I got those things going on. Uh, and then I'm working on a, uh, a friend of mine wants to give a gift to her husband for their patio. So I'm mm -hmm. making a, a cooler stand. That, sure. You know, you just take a, he got a Yeti cooler and drop it into this cart so then it can be kind of a beverage center for sure. out on their, sure. their new patio in the back. So it's all kind of fun stuff and mm -hmm. really uh, an interesting challenge on some things because yeah. I thought that that cooler stand wasn't going to require a lot of wood. And as I've gone into it, it's requiring a ridiculous amount of material yeah, and trying to get it to... Yeah, we were, we were talking in the shop the other day, though. It's, it's using up some of that white oak stock that you had squirreled away, which oh, was yeah. nice. Yeah, because it was pieces that I've rescued out of the dumpster here or whatever, yeah. you know, this offcuts that are too small to just feel like you can just casually put them in the burn barrel sure. or something like that. But they're not big enough to make a big project out of necessarily, so... Yeah, which, you know, it was one of those things... Same thing with the cutting boards I'm working on. It's like, I stashed those away for a reason, and now I'm using them. So it feels kind of liberating, because it's like, hey, I saved yeah. that for a reason, it's right? It's a victory, yeah. 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 It's like, it's free wood, basically. Yeah, basically. Right, so you feel like so. you got to use it somehow. Yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, this patio cart kind of leads into what the topic that I wanted to talk about today with you guys is, the three of us are professional woodworkers in the mm -hmm. sense that woodworking is part of our job yeah. every day. But... This happened over this past Christmas season where I've had a couple of people ask me to make something for somebody else as a Christmas gift, and then they were going to pay me mm -hmm. for it, which I'm happy to do for yeah. friends and family. And it is kind of fun because it kind of stretches you in different ways. So the question that I have for you guys is how do you go about pricing your work? Because clearly we don't have to make a living from it. Sure, mm -hmm. sure. Yet, anyway. Yeah. But <laughs> Yeah. You know, so this is something that... I see come up a lot uh, on a lot of the Facebook pages and stuff. It's like, hey, how much do I charge? How should I set my shop rate? Or should I have a shop rate? Should I go by project? You know, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of rules of thumb uh, that I see. You know, a lot of guys will say, you know, two and a half times the material cost. Right. And that's, I think, gets you in the ballpark, mm -hmm. but that's not a real good, it's not a real good jumping off point in some cases because you know, talk about a little Kumiko uh, lattice tr serving tray, right. right? 
there's very little wood there, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. You know, so I don't think that's that's fair to use that that uh, that model that scale. for that, that scale yeah. for that. Well, um, you could build the same project, you know, like this patio cart. I'm using white oak because those are the pieces that I had left over, but it would be the same time involved if I were to make it out of like pine Douglas fir or, or cedar or something or, like that, exactly. where the cost would be, you know, easily a third yeah. of a white oak project. Yeah, so what I've done, and I've done some commissions in the past, and what I generally do, I, I only build stuff for people I know, right? And when I build stuff for them on a commission basis, I'm, I'm usually very transparent with what I do. So I will say, I have two ways I do this. Um, either I will list out all the materials, and then I will list out how many hours I believe it's gonna take me, and I will give them a price based on that. And I will just give them that entire spreadsheet. I'll screenshot it yeah. out of Excel yeah. and say, you know, hey, transparency here, this is what I'm thinking. Um, because I think there's this stigma that, you know, because you know this table we're sitting at right now, I could buy it at Target for $200, right. you know, why does it cost, you know, $1,500 to make it? Yeah. It's like, well, because this is what the material costs, this is how long I think it's gonna take me, and this is what I value my time at. You know, because the, the 30 or 40 hours that's gonna take me to build this is 34, 30 or 40 hours that takes me away from my family, sure. right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's one of the ways I've done it, and that's the way I like to do it generally. Um, if it's for a family member or, you know, my parents or some, somebody that I know uh, very closely, I'll say, you know, hey, here's the material cost. You pay me what you think it's worth. Right, and and I've had I've had luck doing it both ways. I've never felt like I have been shorted at all doing yeah. it either, either of those ways. John, what about you? Because I know you, like the rest of us, have gotten the question yes. like, "Hey, you're a woodworker, right?" All the time, yes, and yeah, that is the struggle. Because if you you're just doing it for you know friends or family, and you price it too cheap, they're going to keep asking you to do more yeah. and more, and then you're going to start yeah. resenting. You know, like you said, taking time away from your family or, you know, that time that's yours. So, yeah, I tried to um, consider what the material cost would be and what the time is. And I think another thing that you need to consider is um, the tools you're using. Like, do I have to go get a special tool for this or right. yeah. the wear on my router bits or table saw? Because all those yeah. things have to be um, replaced or, or, like or yeah. the time it takes to sharpen those things or going to get the materials and the transport and all those, you know, that time is, needs to be, and, uh, you know, shopware is, are also things that need to be. Yeah, well, and I think that's, cost. yeah, and I think a lot of guys, when they, when they price their work, or a lot of guys, a lot of, a lot of craftsmen and craftswomen, when they price their work, um, will say, you know, hey, my hourly rate is $100 an hour mm -hmm. or $85 an hour. And, for, you know, from an outsider not knowing what goes into that, they might think, wow, that person's, if they're Killing staying it. busy full time, they're making one hundred sixty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. It's like no, a lot of that hourly rate is compensating for those things, mm -hmm. you know. Because yeah. because you're right. Not only do you have materials, you have, you know, a a uh, white side router bit. You know, mm -hmm. could be ninety dollars, right. and you might smoke through one router bit routing a ton of white oak. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's there's stuff like that. Um, that. Or, the, the cost to, to have a shop space or to heat that or exactly. electricity. Insurance, taxes, all that you don't stuff. consider in the building of it. There's more costs to it than, than what you 
just see on the outside as far as materials and exactly and, time, so. and, and inevitably you know when I price stuff saying I think this is gonna take me 35 hours it always takes me longer right mm -hmm. you know a lot of times because I'm <laughs> filming it myself or I'm you know right having to or we're just optimistic we're optimistic what we can, yeah what Work, we can really working get done. around an issue you know yeah um, one instance comes to mind where I was I did a farmhouse table uh, was, I think the most recent thing I built on commission was the farmhouse table and I didn't have enough stock for the top. Oh. So I had to actually go back, get more stock, sure. and there wasn't any eight-quarter stock that matched. So I had to get uh, five-quarter stock, laminate them together, and plane it down. down. Yeah. yeah, so you so have the, those Yeah, so you have those things that time yeah, thing you can't really yeah. um, foresee, but inevitably go wrong. Mm -hmm. So I think that's usually what I try and do. I, I guess I usually have two scales. I have mm -hmm. kind of the friends and family, you know, if I'm, because I couldn't afford me, yeah, you know. exactly. Yeah. So it's uh, for family members, and I have the advantage, most of my family is quite a bit away from me, so I don't get them asking a lot, yeah. but yeah. I can build something for them, and I'll usually just ask them to cover things like the materials and uh, any special tooling, yeah. you know, maybe throw in a little extra for, you know, kind of the consumable supplies yeah. of sandpaper, glue, finish, mm -hmm. yeah. you know. Things that you're going to burn through, like I said, planer knives and things like yeah. that. Um, but then if I'm doing something for, uh, and again, I don't do a ton of them, but a larger project or something that's for somebody that I'm not as close to, then I'm going to try and, again, do a good job of estimating how much time it's going to take. And yeah. and I, I'm, that's still a work in progress. Plus materials and try and see if I can come bring that to a certain shop rate. Yeah. You know, one of the other editors who used to work here, Randy Maxey, he always tried to, I think his shop rate was like $59 or $69 an yeah. hour or something like that, yeah. but he would always end up dialing it back for different people. Yeah. And then his thing was, is when he's talking to people about it, it's like, you know, I'm cheaper than a plumber, cheaper than a car mechanic, than an electrician. Yeah. It's just you don't see that kind of thing. So. Yep. It's trying to be able to make up all of those opportunity costs, and I'm happy to do it. And I guess part of the reason that I like to make Christmas projects for people mm -hmm. or other types of projects is that I kind of view that almost like a second job. Like if I were to think about how much it would cost to make or to buy something yeah, special exactly. for yeah. Christmas or birthdays or things like that, and if I can do that, then that's a way of. And I just love making stuff. So. Yeah, right. yeah, which I yeah. do too. You know, and it's, it, as you're talking about that, making Christmas presents for for other people. Um, one of the groups I'm on on Facebook is is uh, a group dedicated to cutting boards, right? And just this huge community of people that love to make cutting boards, and they yeah. take them and sell them and stuff. And one guy had a really nice model set up on. He had a per cubic inch rate for his cutting boards oh. but then he had it broken out into three tiers so you know some specialty stuff like that yeah cutting boards or pens or turning or stuff i think you can get a pretty easy model uh yeah. and a base price structure um, but when you're talking on a furniture scale there's so many variables and there's so many different things you know a maloof chair is not going to cost the same to build as like our campaign style chair right that we just mm -hmm. you know had in the magazine um so i you know i my advice to somebody trying to set up a shop rate is figure out what your time's worth and then get yourself a good estimate yeah add materials onto it and yeah. leave, leave a buffer yeah and again totally with the caveat of this is for those of us who are doing this on the side exactly right? it's a Correct. side hustle or just, yeah 
you know, there's definitely, you know, I've really appreciated the writing of like Nancy Hiller or Christian yeah. Bexford where they've talked about their craftspeople that have to make a living at it and what that means, mm, you know, yeah. in terms of opportunity costs and things like that. So I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes there, but it's more of a, you know, because we get that question. Yeah. Oh, all the time. And I think there's a lot of woodworkers have that idealized dream of a small little shop with a yeah. wood stove crackling in the corner and they're making stuff and making money for and it. Turning and out furniture. Yeah. Turning out furniture and yeah. the reality is a lot is a lot harder than that. Yeah. So, yeah. so I yep. totally see my privileged place of being able to do it on the side. Yeah. Exactly. And, and yeah, we, have, yeah. we do a lot for the enjoyment and we have the tools and, yeah. and the materials and the shop know, space. And the shop space already, yeah. you know, the privilege of that already for our day jobs as we yeah. say or whatever. So we're pretty lucky there. So Yep. And I think the relationships too, because you can see, you know, that people just don't understand how things are made necessarily anymore. And to be able to have that skill and translate it and give it to somebody else's. Yeah. Well and it's you know, it's something I think that is uh, coming back. Handmade is is becoming cool again. Yeah. So I so I'm hoping we're seeing a shift in this consumer mentality of, you know, hey, I can go get it from IKEA or I can get it from Target for, you know, this amount of money. Or I could pay somebody local for a specialized item. You know, I mean, I would say what we produce is specialized. Not everybody can do it. Yeah. So, or everybody yeah. can do it. They just need to learn. Sure. Which is why we're here. <laughs> Which is why we're here. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody, to the Shop Notes podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear about it. Um, you can contact us at the contact information wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. This episode of the Shop Notes podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Magazine. Woodsmith Magazine has been known for more than 40 years for building high-quality furniture projects for every part of your home, from kitchen accessories to shop projects. You'll find all kinds of information to help you become a better woodworker. Subscribe today at woodsmith.com.